definitely will think of you every time I use it. And it is truly a blessing to have in Fiji. So thank you so much. God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. We're grateful for your kindness and your hospitality. Amen. I give honor to your pastor and pastoral team and first lady. Amen for your kindness and hospitality. We've been, if you didn't know that, we've been camping here all week long. Amen. Those strange cars, you know, driving a black suburban. I don't know if they think some sort of shady dealings are going on here. There's this black suburban coming in after. Amen. But uh, uh, we are so grateful for your kindness. Uh, your kindness in allowing us to uh, come in and have a place to stay and a place to uh, camp out and especially a place to do laundry. My wife, when they say we go to a place that has a washer and a dryer, she hears a, the, the hallelujah chorus in her head, you know. Uh, the angelic choir begins to sing. Amen. And so we're so grateful. And sometimes those are little things that you don't normally think about, but for missionaries that are traveling in the next, over the 12 month or maybe less, 10 to 12 month period, we'll put on about 60,000 miles and cover a lot of, last, our last deputation, we covered every province and every state, but eight in, in that time period. So needless to say, we appreciate the kindness and of this church and your uh, great hospitality. And we're, we're just grateful for those things. And I want you to know that as missionaries, we do not take that for granted. Amen. But we appreciate your sacrifice. I'm sure you could use that space for something else as your church grows. But I'm thankful that you've dedicated it to that. And we're so grateful for it. Amen. I love the presence of the Lord that I feel in this place today. Amen. I don't know if you're, uh, I was going to echo, my wife stole some of my thunder there. I was going to tell you, uh, we, over the, we, we, prison ministry is something that's kind of taken off a little bit. I'm, I'm looking for the, the prison man, but I can't see him right now. Uh, oh, he's right there. Amen. But uh, we have started, this is amazing, in Fiji, our government just changed. And in the government change, we had a new prison, uh, head of prisons come in. And uh, they have opened up the prison to the United Pentecostal Church. We happen to have, amen, a certain connection and it just worked out. And this to me was the coolest thing. Over the past two months, and it's going to continue on, she has asked our, our assistant general superintendent to go into all the prisons all over the country. Now, now this is the cool part. Not for, not for the uh, inmates, but to do a revival first for all the prison guards. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so I was talking to our assistant, uh, uh, or our general secretary treasurer uh, the other day, and he said, they just had one, and we carry our, they, they asked us to bring a baptismal tank with us. Amen. And we have been baptized in prison guards in every prison over the, oh, oh, all throughout Fiji. Hallelujah. Amen. 
She said, we can't have you go in and just teach the inmates. They said, we need our prison guards, amen, to have God before our inmates have God. Amen. And so what an amazing opportunity that is. Amen. And we have, we've already baptized 50 or 60, amen, in the name of Jesus Christ already. Hey, God opens up doors. Amen. We started a Bible school. Now this, I'm in another country now, and you'll forgive me for just telling a bunch of stories here. Amen. But we just started, or, or a couple years ago, we helped them start a prison in Papua New Guinea in a maximum and a supermax security prison. And so a few months, uh, what's that? Oh, sorry, what did I say? Sorry. We didn't start the prison. We started a Bible school <laughs> in the prison. Lord, thank you for rebuking me, babe. <laughs> Don't want a so false doctrine here. <laughs> Amen. We started a, a Bible school in a supermax and maximum security prison in Papua New Guinea. It was really cool. And I was, COVID locked us down and we weren't able to go back in. But in, in 2019, uh, me and the other head of Bible schools uh, globally went into the, the prison. And it's so crazy because you go into a supermax prison and you go through all the gates and you go through all everything and you're going in part of the, and thank you guys, I'm sorry, I won't hold you up. Amen. My wife says if that, if that guy stays on the organ, he's going to preach all day long. So <laughs> my wife, when my wife heard the organ, she's like, my Lord, because she knows I get preaching with that organ going. <laughs> Amen. I've been in Fiji too long. And uh, anyways, and you go in and we're walking through all of this, all of the gates and all that. And all of a sudden you, you start to hear something and you're hearing something. And, and I'm trying to figure out what it is, and we just keep walking, and it keeps getting louder, and it keeps getting louder, and it's got such a familiar sound to it, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. And as we get closer, I realize what the sound is. It's the sound of a worship service. Amen. They had all of their students in their, uh, in, in their chapel there, and they were singing and worshiping and praising God all in their prison, uh, you know, uniforms and all of that kind of stuff. And the Holy Ghost was moving. We walked into an apostolic church service in the middle of a maximum security prison. Hallelujah. Amen. Now you got to understand, this is not just prison ministry. This is a, we thought it was kind of strange, but they asked us to do it. This is a full-fledged Bible school. Like the same curriculum and the same everything that you graduate from to become a minister of the gospel in all of our other Bible schools all over. We have, uh, it's a GAT school, which means a Global Association of Theological Studies. We've got about 500 Bible schools globally, amen, all over the, for the United Pentecostal Church. And one of them is in this prison in Papua New Guinea. It is amazing. Amen. Seeing the presence of God and they're getting baptized and getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm here to talk about Fiji, not Papua New Guinea, but one, and they're very similar because in Papua New Guinea, there's over 800 dialects. And some of those dialects, we don't 
have people who speak those dialects. But the beautiful thing about prison is it's equal opportunity, you know, uh, accommodations. It don't matter what your language group is. And so we have been having people get baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, finish their Bible school in prison, get released, and go back to those places where we don't have people in those language groups. And it's opening up doors, amen, in those places. Hallelujah. Just this is this is just in 2022 we baptized 118 inmates and they were filled with the Holy Ghost in that in that system. One thing that's really really cool, we've got guys that went in uh, and they are lifers in there and because of the change now it's not because of overcrowding and they're not just sending them out but because of the change in their life it's a two or three year course that they finish when they finish the change that's in their life they are actually being released back amen and are stepping into ministry and stepping into places where God can use them in amazing ways kind of reminds me of Isaiah when he talks about you're going to see the deaf ears open the blind eyes open the lame leaving but one thing we skip sometimes it says and the prison doors being open amen we are seeing that in a, in a mighty mighty way amen it's exciting to see what God is doing Amen. I didn't plan on t telling you all that, but I'll tell you this last thing and then I'll move on and get going what I'm supposed to be doing here. Amen. But when I, when we left that service that day, and if you want, I've got some video I can show you of that service. Amen. When I left that place that day and we were walking back out to our, to our uh, vehicles outside the gate, there was a bunch, there were several inmates that followed along with us and were talking with us. And uh, I, 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 to be honest, I thought it was kind of strange. And like we're getting close to the gate to go out of the place and they're still walking with us. And, and Karen's and I'm like, wow, there's no, you know, there's, you know, nothing. I'm like, man, are they coming right out in the parking lot with us? What's going on? Am I part of a jailbreak right now? And I didn't even know. <laughs> and, uh, and what it is, when you come in the main gate, you go to your left to the supermax, and it's an underground prison. So you go in, and you go, there's doors on the top, and you go underground to get into the supermax prison. And then you go straight, and you go into the maximum security prison. These, and school is in the maximum security prison, but there was some supermax people that were in the class, which is crazy to me. And those were the guys that were walking out with us. No shackles, no handcuffs, no nothing. They walked out to us. They got to the turn to go to the Supermax facilities. And they said, God bless you, brother. Thank you for coming. And they went by themselves and walked back into their Supermax facility and down into that Supermax prison. Amen. No shackles. Because God has done such an amazing work in their life. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed over here, but you guys have a missionary wall. And on that missionary wall, you have a map of all the missionaries. When we walked into that, that place, I seen the inmates get all excited. And I thought, well, that's strange. Why are they so excited? And they're talking to each other and stuff. And we really found out later why. 
because I looked on the back wall as I was standing on the platform and they had that missionary map on the back wall of that maximum security prison and those inmates had been chosen missionaries to pray for every day. And when we walked in, myself and Brother Brad Thompson from Guatemala, amen, they recognized us immediately because they had been praying for us for several years. Amen, what an amazing God we serve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. But it's such an honor to be here. Yes, we are missionaries to Fiji and the Solomon Islands. And some ask where that may be. Some... Uh, I've heard of Fiji, but don't really know. I was telling the young people last night, hey man, if you, most people know where Australia and New Zealand are. Well, if you get on a plane in Auckland, New Zealand and fly five hours straight north out into the ocean, you will run into the Fijian Islands. Amen. And there's, Pastor already said, there's over 300 of those islands. Uh, my wife says there's 110 inhabited. I question her Google numbers there. It's a little bit higher than that. Amen. But we're, we're, there's about 300 islands. If you get back on the plane and fly another three and a half hours northwest, just before you get to Papua New Guinea, you'll come to the Solomon Islands, and there's over 900 islands that make up the Solomon Islands. And so between those two island nations, there's over 1,200 islands that make up. I, I joke and say before God called me into missions, I was pre- pastoring in Prince Edward Island, Canada. And God told, said, well, I guess one island's not enough for that guy. Amen. I need to send him over there to 1,200. Amen. I don't know if, you know, the whole, the whole thing, idle hands and all, you know, maybe he felt I needed more to keep me busy. Amen. But we are so... Amen. Grateful for what God is doing island to island. Amen. It's amazing how God's revival just kind of flows from island to island. Amen. God makes a way where there is no way. Amen. But we're thankful for what God is doing. We're looking forward to sharing with you a little bit more of that. Amen. We, someone always asks, and on days like today, I'm hesitant to say, amen, because it got cold. I was really confident it was going to be nice and warm so you guys would be okay. Amen. But they asked me, what, what's your temperature like there? And I said, well, in the summertime, it's from 85 to 105 usually. And don't get too excited because there's a wonderful 80 to 90% humidity that comes along with that wonderful temperature. And then in the wintertime, it drops way, way, way down to 75 to 95 degrees in the summertime, or the wintertime, sorry. And, and, and you're laughing right now. You're laughing, but I have been, I know it doesn't look like it, but I would run and jog on the seawall, amen, and uh, when I w- went out there on those 75-degree mornings, there'd be people with winter hats on and fur coats on and those big Michelin man coats on, mittens at 70, I mean, if it gets to below 75, hypothermia might just set in, uh, amen, but it's amazing sometimes what we, your blood gets thin. I, I flew in, I flew out, it was a hundred and some degrees and flew in. My family lives in Eastern Canada and I flew in there at Christmas time a couple of years ago. It was like minus 20 and I was like, dear Lord, I just feel that reaffirming call. When I walked out to the truck this morning, just when I walked out to the truck this morning to get my dress, the dress for my daughter, I thought, Lord, I feel the pull of Fiji right now. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Amen. And my, uh, I always have a young person ask this, so I always answer it so you don't have to think about it all through church. And, and they always ask me, Pastor, does, does Fiji water come from Fiji? And, and the answer is yes. Uh, that's why you pay, for, you know, an astronomical amount of money for that volcanically filtrated goodness all the way from Fiji. Amen. Amen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just cruise down the water aisle at Walmart and you'll see it there. Amen. God is good, isn't he? I'm so thankful for it. I feel it's dangerous, babe. I feel really at home here this morning. Amen. Amen. I do have a little video we're going to show. I hope they were able to get it. Just a short video, kind of give you a little taste of the islands, a little bit of what God's going on. Amen. And then we'll jump right into it and, and share a little bit more about what God is doing. I'm reminded of my childhood playing around an old-fashioned water pump that we assumed was no longer of any use. But I watched as my grandfather poured a little bit of water into the priming chamber of that old, rickety, seemingly worthless water pump. And then he began to pump that old handle. And within a few seconds, an abundance of water overflowed onto the hard, dry ground bringing refreshing and renewing to us from what seemed like an unseen source. Just like the widow woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, who was desperately in need of a miracle, simply poured out her little drop of oil into that borrowed vessel, unknowingly priming the supernatural flow of God's miraculous power into her situation. We, too, endeavor to pour out our little. What may seem like one drop in the bucket becomes the prime that's needed to release the overflow of God's supernatural power and provision into the arid spiritual environment of this world, meeting the needs of those who were so desperately in need of His presence. Solomon Islands, both nations of beautiful landscapes, and home to some of the most wonderful people in the world, still need a supernatural overflow of God's Spirit. We felt the call of God to go, and we responded by pouring out our one drop, prayerfully and with the heart of worship, to prime the flow of God's Spirit, and with the help and faithful support of the North American Church. To God's call to give, we are beginning to see the overflow from that unseen source. Just like Moses, when he struck the rock with such an expectation and water burst forth, we too are seeing the flow of God's supernatural power and provision in a miraculous way. Overflow in our Bible schools. In the last four years, our enrollment has grown from 25 students in one campus to a record enrollment of 155 students in six campuses, with a seventh campus scheduled to open by the end of the year. With the continued development 
of the Bible School facilities to accommodate the incredible student body growth, God is flowing like never before. Overflow in evangelism. In the last several months, we have begun what I like to call micro-evangelism. As we go from village to village, sharing the gospel in small crusades throughout the interior of the main islands, as well as the outer islands in remote areas. As a result of the overflow of God's Spirit, we have baptized more than a thousand in the name of Jesus Christ, and God is filling them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Just as we continue to pour, like the widow in 2 Kings chapter 4, we believe that God will continue to use the prime that we provided together. The overflow of God's Spirit will continue to flow until every vessel in Fiji and the Solomon Islands has been filled. That's just the anointing, folks. I hope you got a bunch more before this is over. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, Amen. But we believe God's going to do it. Every inhabited island is the mantra of the Pacific region. Hey, Amen. What's exciting about those numbers is actually that $1,000, $1,000. Maybe that's prophetic. I don't know. Hey, Amen. 1,000 uh, person number that was said that that video was made back before, just before we were coming on deputation. But from February last year till February of this year, we've actually baptized over 2,000 people, amen, in this micro-evangelism. Amen. Amen. What's exciting about it is it's micro-evangelism because we can't, 300 islands, especially in Fiji, to go from the outer islands to, to where Fiji is, or to the Viti Levu, and I was telling someone before, which is kind of funny because in the Fijian language, there's no F. And so uh, it's called Fiji, but there's no F in the Fijian language. Thank you to the British Commonwealth for that. Uh, uh, it's actually Viti, they call it Viti. Amen. But uh, to go from the outer islands of Fiji to the, to the main island of Viti Levu, sometimes it takes them almost a month by boat to get there because of they, it's kind of like taking the bus. They stop at every island and pick up cargo and let people off. And so to, to, to try to do a, a mass revival service with everybody, bringing everybody in and bringing in a few thousand people to get the Holy Ghost, it just it would take a month to get them there, a month to get it or, you know, situated, and then a month to get them back home. A quarter of the year would be used just getting them there. And so we decided that we were just going to go from, from village to village, Amen. Micro evangelism. And so if I, when I tell you this next part, it doesn't sound as exciting as that 2000 uh, number, but this, that 2000 is only in this one thing. That's not including the, all the, all the other 75 churches in Fiji that are having regular services and regular, uh, uh, there's no problem with evangelism in Fiji. I joke with them and say they could win a coconut tree to the Lord. Amen. They love to evangelize so much. Amen. And so, 
And so, but we would go into these villages as God would open up the doors and we would baptize. I think the lowest one we had was 15 and the highest one we had was about 90 some, 94, 95 people were baptized in Jesus name during these micro crusades into these villages. Amen. And God is making a way where there is no way. Hallelujah. There's power in prayer. Amen. We have these little prayer cards on our back table. I encourage you to take one of them with you. Amen. One of the, uh, the, uh, the sister this morning was saying she's going to put it on her fridge. Well, that's where I go a lot, that you can tell. Amen. And, uh, and uh, you're not supposed to amen so frequently on that. And, uh, uh, but put it on your fridge if you spend time going into the fridge. Or, amen. If you're spiritual like your pastor, put it in your Bible so you read it every time, see it every time you open your Bible. Or if you're a commuter, put it on your rearview mirror. Amen. It'll also help you with your road rage. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or I hope it does anyway. <laughs> Amen. I had one young lady tell me she was going to put it on the back of her cell phone inside her clear case. So I thought, man, we're going to have a revival like you never before. Because I had just read an article that said the average teenager looks at their phone 200 times a day. I thought, man, that's 200. If she just spent a minute, that's 200 minutes a day in prayer. Bless God. Going to have revival. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Because there's power in prayer. We had one, a few churches asked us back a while ago, how could they specifically pray for us? And I told them, pray for, pray for that God gives us favor with the elders, with the, with the chiefs, because we still have a very chiefly system, and the chief rules the roost. And so we said, Lord, get, we need favor with the chiefs. Well, it was amazing. They began to pray, and God began to move in an exceptional way. There was there was there was uh, chiefs that told us well, you can't come. Well, one of them in particular we've been trying to get into for a while, a very uh, chiefly village, and they said no, you can't come in. Threatened us with bodily harm if we can't, tried to come in. And I don't know how they found out, but the president of Fiji, whose village it was, became aware of the situation. And I found out afterwards, he called the chiefs of the village, the elders of the village, and said, I heard the Pentecostals are trying to get into the village and have a, what they call them crusades. And, I, and he said, yes, but don't worry, sir. We told them they couldn't come in, and we told them what they'd, we'd do if they did come in. And the president said, I don't, I didn't call you for that. I called you to tell you to let those Pentecostals in. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And they, and they were so shocked. He said, as a matter of fact, he said, you have one hour. He said, and if you don't uh, call them back within the hour, he said, I'll be on the first plane up in the morning and I'll be the one having a conversation with you. Fifteen minutes later, our missions director got a call and said, you're welcome to come in and have a, have a revival here in our village. <laughs> Amen. In that, villi in, that, in that revival, God, we baptized over 50 in the name of Jesus Christ. God filling them with the Holy Ghost. Amen. There was miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen. I'm here to tell you when God makes a way. Amen. There's nothing that can stop it. Amen. There's nothing that can prevent the wave of the Holy Ghost from taking up residence in our world. Hallelujah. Woo. I feel the Holy Ghost flowing in here right now. 
Amen. There was another village with a chief who said, he told us we couldn't come in, so we just kind of like the disciples. We just kicked the dust off our feet and went down to the next one and started a revival down there. Well, the chief heard what was going on down there. You can already tell what's going to happen right now, right? He came over to see what all the hubbub was about. Amen. He came, got baptized, and filled with the Holy Ghost at that revival. <laughs> now, now, I know we don't door knock very much in, in America anymore for the most part, and so, but in Fiji, we have found out the key. And so that chief called us on Saturday, or on, on, on after the revival, I think that was on a Thursday, he called us on Friday, asked us if we could come and send a missions team to his village, and so we did. They were there first thing Saturday morning, and uh, there was 20 of them. They split in, into two, so there was 10 teams. And uh, the, the chief went, said, come with me. And they went to with this one house. He knocks on the door and he says, hello, these guys are from the United Pentecostal Church. They're here to teach you, your family, and your friends a home Bible study. Y'all have a great day. He goes to the next house, knocks on the door, says, hey, these the same thing. All, all 10 teams in houses, they finished teaching the one. He took them to another one. They baptized over 40 that day in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> amen. When the chief shows up at the door, amen, God opens up the door. I'm here to tell you, God makes a way where there is no way. Amen. We see, we spend so much time trying to figure out how we're going to do it. I'm here to tell you, your job's not going to figure out how to do it. Amen. Our job is to say, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. And God will make a way where there is no way. Oh, I tell you what, when God goes before you, what can be against you? <laughs> Amen. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. It don't matter how dark it is. It don't matter how frustrating it is. Hey, man, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was watching that those dark clouds rolled over last night and all that thunder and lightning, and, I just, and I'll be honest, I was like, ooh, God, you're powerful. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, man, you know what? Sometimes it gets dark. Acts 27, verse 20 says, And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope, that we should be saved was taken away. Amen. These folks were in a storm of storms, made some bad decisions and got stuck in a storm. And all hope when they hadn't seen the sun, their stars for many days, it says all hope that they should be saved was taken away. Amen. Hallelujah. They, the stars at that time, they used for direction. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know how to get there. They didn't know how fast they were going. They didn't know how far away they were. But guess what? God knew. Amen. Hey I'm here to tell someone tonight, it's, there's hope when you can't see the stars. Amen, when I couldn't see the moon last night and those storm clouds were running through, amen, I had a little girl who was all, and then we were out at the park and the tornado warning signs started going off and she jumped out of her skin and, and she was afraid. And, and I, I won't say mom was, she's pretending she wasn't, but anyways, it was, 
Hey man, I was watching those storm. I was watching those storm clouds, and I got to be honest. All I was thinking was, God, you are so big, just like that little kid's song. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing that. Ooh, man, I feel, I feel like preaching in here right now. When I was pastoring, when I was pastoring, I I had I had the adults sing that song one time, and it was a little bit like this. I said, stop that song. I said, you're killing that song. I got all the kids up there. And I said, I want you, I want these guys are going to show you how to sing that song. Because sometimes as adults, we get a little worried when the storm clouds roll in. And it's amazing, kids sometimes, they're oblivious uh, of all the dangers that are going on. They just trust God. They just believe God. They just, if mom and dad say it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. I'm here to tell someone today that your spiritual father has said everything is going to be okay. Amen. And what our job is, what our job is, and we got to be like those little kids. Amen. Sometimes you got to wake up in the morning, look yourself in the mirror, and sing that song. My God is so so strong and so mighty there's nothing he can't do I'm here to tell you that Sunday morning when those kids faith began to flow that place began to come alive in the presence and power of God okay sorry sorry I got a little excited there calm down here Sunday morning forgot Sunday morning We're in the middle of COVID. We're in the middle of the lockdown. We couldn't have service, couldn't have all that kind of stuff. We had the same problem over there eventually that everybody had here. And uh, so we said, we got to have, we got to do something. And so we decided, we went to the police and asked them if we could do an outdoor service. Nobody could congregate in the outdoor service, but we had an outdoor service. They said, sure. So we went to the place in the highlands where the police station was, and, and they had... So you could reach, if you got it loud enough, you could reach about four different villages. So we went out and got more, we got every speaker from every church that we could possibly find. I mean, it was stacked up like you wouldn't believe. If you'd a student, well, if you had hair, not like me and you, my brother, but for those other blessed people. Hey, man, they step in front of that thing, it would have parted their hair right down the middle. And, uh, Hey, man, grass can't grow on a well-beaten path, man. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> and so you say, well, it was so loud. Did, did you get complaints? As a matter of fact, the police chief or the, the constable there said, said, brothers, you can come back here anytime. He said, we didn't have one drunken disorderly call. We didn't have one domestic violence call. We didn't have any calls. We just sat here all night and did nothing. <laughs> It's amazing what happens when God comes on location. When in and it's dark, isn't it probably the darkest time? People were discouraged, people were frustrated. But guess what? When you can't see the stars, doesn't mean that God's not moving and God's not operating. I'm trying to preach to somebody right now.
right now. Amen. You might have come into this place feeling dark and discouraged and frustrated and you can't tell which way to go. I'm here to tell you God still has a plan. And so we had we had church. We had preaching, we had singing, we had altar service, we had it all. And you got to understand too, Fijian houses are not like our houses. It's village houses. You know, there's no double walls. There's no insulation. Windows are optional. Sometimes there's windows. If there are windows, they're just louver windows. Maybe a curtain. Curtains are optional. Sometimes it's just a hole in the wall. The whole country, you know, your pastor, I'm sure, has an open door policy. Our whole country has an open door policy. <laughs> if you can find a closed door, you find, it's a miracle. And so, when, in other words, you know, you got just tin roof or just some boarded sides or ply on the sides, and, and it's, uh, it's wide open, so everybody hears everything. I mean, you can hear, you don't have to eavesdrop on your neighbor. You just have to sit in your living room, and you can hear your neighbor over across the way. And so when, when we have that, when we put set up those speakers, it didn't matter what denomination you were. Everybody went to Pentecostal church that night. And, and Fijian services are a little different than our North American services because, you know, your worship is going to be at least two hours. You're preaching. <laughs> I was preaching one place. I tell this story all the time. I'm sorry, babe. I was at a place and the pastor was mad at me. Not mad, but he's a little, you could tell there was something bothering him. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, so I kept pushing him to see what the problem was. We were having lunch afterwards. And I could tell he was something that's bothering him. And, and finally I just, just asked him straight, what's going on? What's wrong? He said, oh, no, nothing, Pastor, I'm fine. Well, I've been married long enough to know that. <laughs> fine to know he's mean, Fine. Don't worry, I won't ask you for an amen on that. So I finally pushed him a little bit, and he said, Pastor, you only preach 45 minutes. And I said, 45 minutes, what do you mean? He said, I know you can't be here every week because you've got 75 churches, and I try to get to as many churches. We've got about 75 churches in Fiji, about 50 preaching points and daughter works, about another 25 churches in, in the Solomon Islands that I try to get to at least a different one every Sunday. And so he understood that. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, Pastor, I, he said, you only preach 45 minutes. I said, well, how long do you expect me to preach? He said, for once a year, you got to preach at least two hours. You should see some of your faces right now. <laughs> so, so someone who was just almost asleep almost went, what, two hours? <laughs> I have reservations at the Applebee's. I got to get there. Don't worry, my wife tells me every almost every time before I come to the platform, you're not in Fiji anymore. <laughs> and so preaching, if you don't preach an hour, they don't think you preached. And so and so he your preaching can be anywhere from an hour. And I've seen it go longer than two, not mine, but I've seen someone go longer than that before. But let's just say an hour and a half. Let's just be conservative. Say an hour and a half. And then they're gonna have a two hour altar service afterwards. So you think about that, that's five, six-hour service. And on a regular Sunday, they'll, they'll, they'll have a big dinner together, have a nap, and then do it all again Sunday night. 
And so when they have service, they're having service. And so it's in the middle of all this darkness, of all the struggle of COVID, and they have, they're having a worship service. I mean, they're getting after it. I mean, it is blasting so loud, probably hearing damage. We had to pray people to get their hearing back again afterwards. But And so there, it is blasting out. And in the middle, what we did is we had our missions team that was walking through the villages, they were just walking. Because I know when we say village sometimes here in North America, we think of a road and all these little streets going off it in this little village. That's not how it works. You got one road coming through, and then you have all these paths, these walking paths off the main road to all these little little villages, to these little houses all along, and they're just salt and peppered all over the place throughout. The day. And so our, and our missions team, we split them up in the villages, and they just started walking through the villages. So in the middle of the worship service, this one lady comes running out of her house up to our missions team member. And she says, I need you to tell me what's wrong with me. Well, that's kind of an odd thing. And so the guy was like, well, I can't tell you what's wrong with you until you tell me what's wrong with you. <laughs> and so she, she began to tell him what was going on. And she said, I was she said, I love the music. She said, and they don't sing like that where I'm from. And so she said, I begin to sing along with your music team, with your worship team. Or she didn't call it worship team. She probably called it your singers. And she said, I was enjoying it. And I would listen to it a few times. They were singing. And then I, once I learned the words, I'd sing along with them. And she said, I was just singing along with you guys, having a great time in, in, in the service or in your service. And she said, and then the strangest thing happened to me. She said, I started to sing the song in a language I didn't understand. So she said, I stopped, waited for the next song. Learned that song, started to sing again. She said, and towards I got to the end of that song, I started singing it again in a language I didn't understand. She said, can you tell me what's wrong with me? I said, absolutely, we can tell you what's wrong with you. There ain't nothing wrong with you. Amen, that's the presence and power of the Holy Ghost. Amen, God was just looking for somebody who was willing to worship and worship and praise God. And when they begin to worship, God said, that's some place I'd love to be. That's a house I want to move into. Nobody laid hands on her. Nobody anointed her. It was just somebody who said, I love God. I praise God. I'm worshiping God. And when she did, God moved in. Oh, I said this the other night. I just got to say it again, babe. Because you see, I was reading in, in a different translation that word scripture it says, and God inhabits the praises of his people. It was an Asian translation, and it read this way. When we worship, God moves into our neighborhood. Whew. I just been jumping all over that tonight. Something about when God moves into your neighborhood. Hey, man, you might have come in here tonight feeling worthless and helpless and no good for nothing, but I'm here to tell you when God moves into the neighborhood, property value goes up. 
Amen. That which seemed worthless all of a sudden becomes worth something. Amen. And you might have came in here full of depression, anxiety, and frustration, but I'm here to tell you God's about to change the environment when he moves in. Hallelujah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to get everyone excited there. My apologies. So we were in the middle of that service, and the preaching started. And uh, this is the same service, same same service. I don't think it was the same village, but the same service. And they were preaching about the healing power of God and how God could do anything. I'm here to tell you, God can do anything. Hey Amen. I was thinking, you know, I, I don't worry about what God does and God doesn't do. We just pray for whoever God and pray and believe God to do it. And God's going to do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you worry about if God doesn't do it? No, that's not my job. I had an old man tell me one time, he says, if, if you get mad when God doesn't do something, then you're probably the same one that's going to take the credit when God does do something. <laughs> hey, man, not my job just to say, God, have your way. And so in the middle of the preaching, he's preaching about the healing power of God. There was a lady in one of the villages. She had been taught her whole life that... Um, Miracles died with Jesus and the disciples. So that, in other words, when Jesus died and when the disciples died, there was no more miracles. And so she had grown up with that denominal teaching, and she just kind of, that's just the way it was. But now she was hearing this apostolic Pentecostal man of God preaching and telling stories about the healing power of God. And she was in her, in, in her uh, house, and she had been battling cancer for some time. And she was, had a tumor on her abdomen. And in Fiji, our health care, you think, you know, a lot of people complain about American health care. Well, at least you got health care. <laughs> I don't, I'm not political. I, I'm just saying we got none. At one point, we had one ambulance. I had a guy go out one time, and I called the ambulance, and they said, sorry, sir, we're busy. Call back later. <laughs> Amen. So when, when, uh, when that kind of stuff happens, uh, you know, you're, it's kind of hopeless. You, you know, it's just not a lot of help there. And so she had this tumor. She had resigned that it was just going to, that was going to be the end. But this preacher was talking about the healing power of God. And when, and when he preached about that, it was crazy because she just began to say, Lord, I didn't know about this promise. I didn't know that this was an option. I didn't know that this was available. She said, Lord, I've loved you a long time, and you've loved me a long time. I believe that this is something for me too. And so in the middle of her little house, in the middle of that village, she just put her hands on her abdomen, just prayed her prayer, and the preacher said, you got to pray in the name of Jesus. So she prayed in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, people began to hear, hear some yelling and hear some commotion. And, and so they ran over to make sure she was okay. And so when they came in and, and, and they seen her, she was standing there staring at the floor. 
And so all of them got around, the, around and they were seeing what she was staring at on the floor. What had happened was, when she, and the screaming was such surprise, because when she prayed that simple little prayer, God moved into that house. Amen. That that tumor that had been visibly on her abdomen shriveled up and fell off onto the floor. And so all of them were sitting around there staring at this tumor on the floor. Amen. The surprise, my brother, turned into adulation and worship and praise. When they began to realize what God had just done. Amen. How God had just moved into that neighborhood. I'm here to tell you when God moves in, anything is possible. There's nothing too big for my God to do. It doesn't matter how big. It doesn't matter how small. Amen. I remember in the middle of a, of a, of a service in a little village called Naviti Levu. Amen. A lady comes up. She's about to have a baby. And the baby is breached. It's backwards. Amen. And there's, no, there, there's not a lot. And she's so far from an OB ward. It's not even funny. And she was scared to death. But God, doesn't matter how big it is or how small it is. Amen. We laid hands. My wife laid her hands on her belly. And we we begin to pray in the name of Jesus and God turned that baby around and that baby was born. I'm here to tell you, God makes a way where there is no way. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Maybe not, but God does. Ha. <laughs> I got, I got to read here. And, and that's why in the 21st verse of Acts chapter 27, it says, but after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. He'd been hiding in the belly of the boat because he's mad because he told them, don't go on this voyage. They went anyway. And so Paul was mad. You know why? Because he's in a storm he wasn't supposed to be in. Someone else's drama done flopped over into his life. Oh, someone know what I'm preaching about right now? Amen. Sometimes other people's drama gets messed up in ours, and it wasn't my choice to be here, but all of a sudden I'm in a bunch of junk that wasn't even mine to be in in the first place. Amen. But God and Paul said, I'm on my way to Rome. I'm on my way to see Caesar. Oh, let me just stop there for a second. Isn't that funny? He's on his way to see Caesar. He's Paul the apostle, who, you know, in our minds, he should be on a cruise boat or a yacht or, you know, know, Air Force One or something, you know. And here he is on a prisoner vessel. Amen. Going where God wants him to go. Listen, God will get you where you where he wants you to be. It may not be the most comfortable ride, but God will accomplish his will in your life. It don't matter how dark it is. It don't matter how bad it is. God makes a way where there is no way. Hallelujah. I got to finish. I got to get finished here, but let me real quick. So Paul was frustrated. Got mad, stayed in the boat, but he couldn't stay down there no more because the verse before said all hope was lost. Paul said, ah, that's not true because there's still hope in the bottom of this boat. Amen. It says that he, he got up from the boat and he stood before those men. You got to remember, biggest storm. You go through and study how big the storm was, big storm. 
And he says to them now, oh, let me just say this. Paul's human. You know, sometimes we think that, you know, the apostles and everybody, they, they were so spiritual, they just burped celestial air, you know. <laughs> the reality is they were human just like us. That's why Paul said he stood forth in the midst of them in verse 21, and it says, Sirs, it says, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed from Crete, Crete sorry, to have gained this harm and loss. That's King James version in verse 21. That's the King James version of Paul saying, I told you so. You know, and I don't blame Paul because it's very rare that a man actually gets to say that. Usually it's my wife. I told you so. So Paul said, this may be my only chance to ever say this. And he jumps up and he lets his flesh, he lets his humanity show. I love it because he showed he's just like me. He gets mad and says, if you're to listen to me, you wouldn't be in this mess. Oh, I bet you there's some folks in here can amen me. They've been saying that before. But what I love about Paul he said, I got to get that off my chest. Now I'm ready to minister. <laughs> he says in verse 22, now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Now you, got, you, you, you don't got it yet, but you're going to get it. Just hold on a second. You got to remember, storms is raging. Don't worry, I know what time it is. I'm going to start talking like an auctioneer here in a minute to get it all in. Waves are crashing over the boat. If you read er, up earlier, they're tossing stuff overboard. They're doing everything they can do to try to weather the storm. Oh, let me just stop right there. They chucked over all the stuff that they had, all the tackle, all the... They, I'm going to say it again. They did everything they could do. I, I got a word for somebody today. When you've done all you can do, that's simply the beginning of what God can do. Sometimes we never get to the place where God can do what God wants to do because we've never done everything that we can do. But when you've done everything you can do and you're like, God, I don't know what to do, God says, whew, that's where I step in right now. <laughs> he said, you finally got to the place where I can step in and I can begin to minister. Amen. I feel like somebody in here today, amen, God began to turn in my spirit that somebody was bringing in some hopelessness today. Amen. They were saying, God, I don't know what to do. I've been living for you. I've been doing what's right. This drama's in my life. I've done everything that I know how to do, but I just don't know how to get from here. I can't see the stars. And God says, don't worry. Now I can begin to move. <laughs> Now I can, now, now I love this. I love you. Got to remember storms crashing, wind and wave. And I can just picture Paul in, in the middle of the storm. You got to remember, he hasn't been up there. He's been, in, he's been in the bottom of the boat. There's people, you know, being sick over the side of the boat and people are afraid. And here's Paul. I can kind of, can you hear me? Okay. Paul's hanging on to this table in my mind. You got to forgive me. I'm a little, I'm a narrative person. He's holding on to this table that's 
somehow attached to the deck of the boat. And everybody's getting tossed and the waves are smashing. Paul's holding on to this table so he can stay upright. Wave just smashed him in the face. I can just picture him going. He's got sea foam stuck to his face. Hair's all matted down. You know what I'm talking about. Soaking wet. Yeah, I hear you, bro. Man, I, I forgive me. I, I was looking at you, but I wasn't thinking. This guy's going to be like, man, I wish this guy would go to the other side of the church. I'll preach over here for a while. He's holding on to that. He's holding on to that thing. Wave smashing, spitting water out. Everybody's like, what in the world? And Paul's sitting there. Everybody's petrified and scared. Paul's sitting there. What are you smiling for? And he's holding on. He says, be in good cheer. Everybody's going to be okay. You got to think those guys are going, that dude is crazy. He got too many mold spores in the bottom of that boat while he was down there. He's going nuts. Because he's holding on to that thing. Be a good cheer. Everyone's going to be fine. Don't worry. They're looking at him going, that dude is crazy. Paul says, you know what? Everybody's life's going to be saved. Ship's going to get beat up and lost. But don't worry about that. See, some of us think God can't accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our life unless he's got the whole boat. But you read a little bit later, I don't have time to preach it, but a little bit later, they float ashore on the pieces. God said, I don't need the whole boat to accomplish the will of, my, of God in your life. See, some of you think, God, I'm hopeless. God, you can't do it because this is broken. That's broken. I've made this mistake, that mistake. It's disqualified me. I can't do anything for the kingdom. And God sent this missionary here to tell somebody, amen, if you'll just get excited about the things of God, amen, if you'll just get focused, your ship may go down, but you're going to have enough left over to accomplish God's will and God's purpose. I feel like in this place there's some people holding on to the remnants of a broken ship. But I'm here to tell you God can still do what God's want to do. I believe there's a revival in Belleville that's unprecedented. But it's going to take some people that are going to say, God, it don't matter if I got the whole ship or a piece of the ship. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to praise God anyway. My God, my God is big. My God is great. He doesn't need everything. He just needs what I got. Woo! Hallelujah. Oh, we better stand together. I got to finish. If I... Some think that I'm not going to finish, so if I get them to stand, that gives them hope. I got to stop preaching. You guys are just so fun to preach to. I like to bring this organ guy with me everywhere I go. He said, be of good cheer. I looked that up, it means rejoice. 
in the middle of the storm, God says, rejoice. He said, I know the waves are crashing. Rejoice. And, And Paul said this. He said, for there stood by me this night an angel of God whose I am and whose I serve. See, when you're in the will of God, there's an angelic host that walks with you. God's spirit walks with you. And sometimes you may not even know and you may not understand, but Paul said, God let me know that there's a standby angel. Listen, God, I'm not here to get spooky on anybody or anything like that, but I believe that you have standby angels that are with you. (laughs) Amen, because when God speaks, (laughs) stuff happens. (laughs) Amen, and Paul said, I can rejoice because I know that God is walking with me. He dispatched his, my, the angel, the standby angel, amen, to walk with me through the storm. I'm here to tell you that there is supernatural demonstration that is walking through the storm with you. Verse 25, he says it again. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. And this is the key. He says, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told of me. He said, guys, I'm going to Rome. And so it don't matter how big this storm is. See, God can replace, oh, I'm going to, God can replace the boat, but he can't replace you. Now, don't misunderstand. If you don't do it, God will find someone who will. But I mean in the will of God in your life. David said, how can I... I'm going to praise you all I can because I can't praise you once I'm down in the grave. God's not bringing me back. I got to get it all done while I'm done. And so that's what Paul was saying. I believe God. It it don't matter how big this tsunami is, this boat ain't going down. Or at least I'm not going down with it. Because see, God can give you another boat. But God's not going to give you another life. You got to take and say, God, I'm going to float on pieces, but your will is going to be done in my life. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. He says it two times, but pastor, I feel like if you read between the lines, you can see that it was not something that was a one-time exposition, but it was a spirit with which he attacked the storm and said, I just, I'm going to rejoice in my storm. And this is what's powerful. This is my favorite scripture. I know it's 1201. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. If you skip, isn't it amazing? In verse 20, all hope was lost. Verse number 36, 16 verses later, it says this. In Acts 27, 36, it says, Then were they all of good cheer. Man, I just love it. Then were they all. 20 ver- 16 verses ago, all hope that they should be saved was taken away. But two be of good cheers, and 16 verses later, they were all of good cheer. Don't tell me, don't tell me that your walk with God can't change your environment I'm the only one in my family I'm here to tell you be of good cheer 
I'm the only one on my job. I'm here to tell you, be of good cheer. Because God, you may be in the middle of your, you may be at verse 15, but God's got a verse 16, or a 16th verse coming. Amen. We're all are going to be of good cheer. Because when God moves, I need someone to believe me when I say nothing is impossible for God. You got time for one more story? I know you're standing. They're playing. That's a reminder that I got to finish. Just real quick. In the little, outside the small town of Savu Savu, there's a little village called Nakambuta. Just a small little village, probably about anywhere 30 to 50 people go to that little church. There was a lady in the service that wasn't feeling well, and I already told you how long services are, so isn't it amazing? She told her husband, she said, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to go back to the house and lay down. I'll be back. Our services are so long that you can go home, have a nap, get back, and still get there in time for the altar service. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we call it waves. First wave, second wave. Those that went home and had a nap and come back. And so she said, I'll come, I'm going to come back. She said, and he realized it was, her husband realized in the middle of the altar service that she hadn't come back. So he told his son, I'm going to go back and see if your mom's okay. So he went home. When he got home, she wasn't there. And so he come back to the, come back to the uh, church and he got his son. You got to understand there's no street lights. There's none of that stuff. There's, you know, a lot of these villages, there's just generator electricity. So it might not have been electricity. So he come back, got his son. He said, your mom's not home. I need you to come help me look for her. She, so they went, did a little bit more, better search along the path. And they found, they found her. She had passed away. She had had a heart attack, they believe, and, and had rolled into the bushes off the path, and so they didn't find her right away. But they found her. I already told you the health care. They're not calling 911. They're not doing that. And so the, they brought her to church. Now, the little church in Nakambuta, they had, I'm sorry to keep you standing, but they had uh, prayer benches. You guys ever see those in the old style church? We got beautiful platforms and, and, and altars here. But back in the day when there wasn't much of an altar, they'd have these prayer benches that were there. And in Fiji, some of them have just adopted them and kept them. And so they're, they're still there, these old prayer benches. And they came in this side of the church and they laid her down on the prayer bench at the front of the church. Now I know in our North American culture, we'd stop the service, we'd stop the music, everybody would gather around and we'd pray. But there was someone over here getting the Holy Ghost. There was people running the aisles, there was people dancing in the service and nobody even stopped. Church just kept going. The husband stood at her head and just had his eyes closed and was just talking to the Lord. The son was at her feet and he too, heartbroken, really, over what had just done, but hopeful. You bring her to church because there's still hope there. And after about 10 or 15 minutes later, I know this sounds crazy to us, but she laid there with them there for about 10 or 15 minutes. And the pastor finished praying with all whoever he was praying with. And he came down to where she was. 
I'll say she was very visibly dead, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. You understand what I mean? And he took her by the hand. <laughs> Prayed a simple prayer in the name of Jesus. Now, this is the part that's cool to me. Acts chapter 3, remember the lame man? It says, and they took him and lifted him up. And he prayed that prayer in the name of Jesus. And he took her hand. And now it's dead weight, and pun is intended. And he had, because she was heavy, and he picked her up, like grabbed her by the hand and lifted her up like that. And when her shoulder blade came off the prayer bench, she went, <gasps> and breath came back into her body again. That lady, that lady is still the ladies director of the church in Nagamuta. My wife and I were just there a little while ago and seen her and shook her hand and prayed with her. Amen. Because God wasn't done with her yet. Some of you know where God's taking you to Rome. But I'm here to tell you, Pastor mentioned it this morning. Amen. He, he ended up crashing in Malta. But God said, you're on your way to Rome. But I can take the drama and the broken pieces of your life. And I can send you to Malta. And have a revival in a place that you never expected to be. Some of you are saying, God, in my life, I never thought I'd be here. And God's trying to tell you that's your Malta. I'm going to have a revival in your Malta. It's the place of brokenness. It's the place of I'm shipwrecked on. But God said if God can have a revival in Malta, amen, God can have a revival anywhere. Amen, why don't we lift our hands and our voice right now. He told in the name of Jesus right now. Lord God, I pray over this entire congregation. Lord God, they may be in the middle of a storm, but Lord, you have a Malta for them tonight. Amen, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Let your anointing fall from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Let that anointing flow and destroy any yoke. Let there be liberty in this place. Let there be freedom in this place. Lord, there's nothing impossible for you right now. There's nothing impossible for you right now. Lord, let your will be done. Lord God, those that need the Holy Ghost. Lord, I loose the Spirit of God to flow into this place right now. Those that need healing, I bind infirmity, I bind sickness right now, and I loose the virtue from Calvary to flow into this place. Let your will be done. Let your...